0: what's good internet and here we are with super gg radio part of the npr of illinois podcast we are here with a special special episode with a very special special guest jim storm dancer of twin beard games hey jim what's going on hi first off you 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 are a pro you know you, maybe you don't uh obviously you don't say this but the you are a prolific game developer in your own right jim storm dancer is that the legal name
1: it is uh it is the name that my wife and i picked for ourselves when we got married because neither of us wanted to be named after the after the other one's dad uh, so we just we we chose a name that we both changed our name to. Wow,
0: you know that's that's kind of brilliant. There, are, I've heard more stories in the last like five years of people choosing their own name. I recommend it. It's nice. You also build your own kind of legacy there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're in charge. I'm. You're in charge of your of your namesake
1: from now. I'm on. in charge in any. Uh, any appropriation you can accuse me of I am absolutely guilty of in that name <laughs> choice like it, if 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 I was still going by Crawford that any any sins uh committed by the person who made up that name happened it, they happened long ago and I cannot be held liable but storm Dancer, I'm absolutely responsible for my own destiny
0: see that's that oh that's brilliant I, I I know people who have gone you know, they wanted to go back to say like their maiden name after a divorce, but instead, like made up a new one or m- merged like their maiden name and old married name into some amalgamation. Like you can really, when you're, you know, when you want, you can just create your own destiny, and that's that's a really cool idea. Yeah, I think I think that more people should embrace that. Though we, you know, we lose a lineage there, but I mean, you know, do we do we do we need a lineage always?
1: That's what twenty three and Me is for,
0: right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're on, we're on the right same page there. It's just my, I, my, my dad plays guitars in old seventies hippie bands. Like that's kind of it for me. It's like, that's <laughs> my lineage. So I'm like, well, I probably don't need the last name. You're right. <laughs> all right. So getting into the interview now, the, I mean, like that, that wasn't the interview at all. Uh, your game development career started with making small games for friends uh, you kind of started by making games you know you thought your friends would like and kind of throwing them at there they're kind of you know coming up with weird you know quirky one-offs here and there uh how much of that is your is that in your like ethos of your work like in general moving forward do you use that a lot to kind of find like your demographic is my friend group and also you you kind of have a, a tendency to like brainstorm these ideas is, is that still how it works for you
1: well so there's i have I have two questions to answer there one is um the first one hopefully i'll remember the second one in a minute the first
0: one is uh i can't remember the first one <laughs> uh, uh how much is the ethos of your work to like to make games that are for your friends
1: right yes so i i started out um uh, making games with without the, and so okay hang on i should start earlier uh I, I wanted to get into the games industry as a teenager and in my early 20s. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually did for a brief moment, and it didn't work out. And I decided, like, I'm going to let this go. Um, and decided, like, this, this is going to be a hobby now. Uh, and at that point, it became, um, I'm making this stuff for fun as a hobby project. And de facto, my audience was my friend's. Uh, and that's actually the um, the situation that was that was still the case when I made uh, Frog Fractions, which was my breakout hit that got me a career that allowed me to have an, a game development career on my own terms. Um, okay, that game get game dev career has kind of run its course now. Like, mm-hmm. I I got a chance to do a few sequels, and none of them were did well enough to like um, to to. Like they did well enough to sustain me as like a starving artist in Oakland, but as you do, not well enough to support a family, which is my situation mm-hmm. now. I have a wife and a kid, and so um, I left it behind. I've got a big boy job now. Uh, I'm working at um, at Fire on Tectonica, if you're wondering. Um, I would. That was gonna be my next question. Yeah, uh, but. I still make games for friends, and honestly, I think that I, I most recently made a um, sort of a Christmas card game thing, where you're you're it it it's uh, kind of a descendant of the um, of the glider mini game in the Frog Fractions Hat DLC. Um, okay, and mashing that up with uh, VVVVVV, where you're flying around yeah, like VVVVV. an open world. Maze collecting presents, um, and I did that in like a week. I sent it to my friends. I got uh, screenshots back of the 100% completion screen, which I was like, "That's, that's uh, this is awesome. This feels great. This is a way for me to connect with people," which is what art is really for. Like I, I feel like so much of, and this infected me as well. Like our relationship as a as a species with art uh, is pretty unnatural nowadays where art is because you, you kind of have to art has to be your job in order to justify making it like in order to have the time to make it. Yeah. Um, and if it's going to be your job, you need to be selling it to a global audience. And so art becomes like art becomes you consuming the best art that's made in the world in the past week. Um, and artists are trying to sell to that global audience. Whereas I think a much more natural human approach to art, like for the purpose of art, the reason art evolved in humans was for you to connect with your friends and family and empathize with them better and, and, and get closer to them. And I, I've kind of come back around to that as like, you know what, this is actually much closer to what art mm-hmm. is for and should be for. Uh, what was the other half of the question? The other, do you remember the? <laughs>
0: uh, well, then it was. Um, does the, the Do you also like brainstorm a lot of ideas with your friends? Do you ever like you just kind of sit down and like talk to them? Like that was a thing where you would, you would talk, you would you'd bring part of the game to them, and then they would discuss it with you, and then you'd kind of move forward with that discussion. Right. Yes,
1: that was specifically. Um, so this is something that I've talked about in uh, interviews about the during the development of Frog Fractions, uh, I would show the game to people, they would play tests and then we would have a discussion about like, what, what would be funny if this happened next? Um, I haven't used that specific process again since then, but I do still have conversations with friends all the time and ideas come out of that all the time. And these are ideas that I have to, I have to write them down. I have to latch onto ideas that I have or, or find that I like because Um, it's kind of a, a cliche that people that, that, that any human like has more ideas than they have time to build. Yeah. Uh, that's not the case for me. Like I am often or, or historically have been often in a situation where like, I, I'm, I'm practicing this set that I am enjoying doing, or I just, I just want to build something, but I don't know what I want to build like and i would i would be in that situation and just rack my brain for like an idea like what what do i want to draw right now what kind of program do i want to write right now um because what i just had this abstract drive to create something um and i solved that by um just having a a notebook a game ideas notebook and by by notebook i mean text file i would yes <laughs> as you do right yeah i would write as, as ideas happened, I would write them in the text file and and then now now, now when I have the urge to create something uh, and the free time, which is much less nowadays, uh, I,
0: I have a good child to do that. I go
1: to, yes, exactly. I go to the text file. So that was a problem I actually had to solve.
0: That, you know, I definitely have something like that. I use a it, uh, my friends make fun of me, my podcast co host, because I have a, a we call a Trello board, which is like for project management where you can kind of have items and you move them as like cards as you progress through them. And I actually have like a personal one where it's like, okay, this is like home projects that whenever I want to do something or hobby projects I want to do, I can just like go through a list and I'm like, okay, this is something I'm going to work on. And then I could actually kind of like in it write. Oh, I, I Something came up, I, I got this far in whatever I was doing, right in it, you know, okay, I only got this far so that I can just come back and kind of pick up where I left off. And it's become a lot, it it, does, it has helped organize things, but it also has become like a, you know, like with video games, it's like, oh, this is the backlog of like, oh, I have a lot <laughs> of ideas and stuff I want to do around the house. And it's like, oh, okay, I just got to actually sit down and do some of them sometimes, you know what I mean?
1: Wait, so so they make fun of you by saying, <clears throat> oh, it's so sensible, Oh, I, he always keeps track <laughs> of what turn, he wants to do.
0: You turn your life into a project management sim. Yes. yes oh, that's I see. I okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Did have you uh, introduced the child to video games Is that like, or have you thought about like I, I know a lot of people that kind of use video games as like they they found development tools and like very like now you see games that are just like essentially organization but by programming by way of programming and like children's games and stuff like that have you uh thought about that with your child or actually making a game about fractions via frogs i
1: think that would be fun i have not um i i haven't been pushing video games on my kid like i will like if he seems interested in a game that i'm playing i will like show him how how to move the character around uh, like what what buttons do what And he has made Mario jump, but he hasn't figured out why you would make Mario jump. So like there isn't, there isn't that connection there yet. Um, One thing that I am extremely looking forward to, like he just started um, really getting into Legos.
0: Oh, fantastic. Yeah.
1: It's, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of fun. He's building, building trucks and building houses and all sorts of things. Mostly, mostly vehicles. Um, and I am looking forward to like getting into like Minecraft and even like getting into simple game development tools with this kid. I think that's gonna be where the real magic happens.
0: Yeah. So then you can you then you can really kind of dig into it with them and kind of get into like some more detailed, like like longer form projects. I do I do have a friend who his children are, I believe like seven and nine, and he they got into legos but you could kind of see how far it goes where he's like oh we got this big mario puzzle box it's the question mark box and then he's like yep we let la- the the kids lasted about an hour and a half and this thing's like a nine-hour project so that's <laughs> what i guess i'm doing this afternoon is they 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 walked off after 30 minutes and they're like "Nope." oh done. was
1: was this like the the lego <clears throat> nes that that it was oh, they make clearly... no, they actually make
0: like a giant question mark box and when it like walls pop out and it's like a little mini Mario levels on different sections okay. so it's even more intense than that SNES one so it's okay, like oh yeah. it's huge thing. yeah
1: yeah well and that that's uh that's always a danger like a lot of those Lego and you can usually tell by the price so like it's not that yeah. dangerous um a lot of those Lego like the big sets are targeted at adults oh yeah like adult nerds like you and me like and I I, I get it. You know, I've I've done builds with my son and like, I could see wanting to do this all day. That sounds like a fun hobby, but also. It's a little zen. It's like zen. Right. You know? Yeah. But also like, I got plenty of hobbies right now.
0: I just don't have the space. Like, I don't have sure. like. Yeah. I, I have a, I have a friend that chose that as the hobby and he goes, yes, there's nothing else. I only have shelves for Legos. Yeah. That's the hobby. Nothing else. And I'm like, I have like seven. I don't. <laughs> and I don't display them. You know, they're not displayable hobbies, so it's, right, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, yeah, and and similarly, uh, like, when you put together a jigsaw puzzle, you don't put it on display. You're just like, okay, now we take it apart and put it back in the box. Like, but when you put together the Lego, the big Lego set piece, like, yeah. are you supposed to just put it on
0: a shelf? They, You, you buy stands for it, but uh, the way my friend does it is that he has like 10 display sections and once like he's he gets a new big thing that's really detailed that he's like okay well one of these has to go my dad does the same with guitars he only has six guitars but he buys one he buys five a year he just rotates them out into like okay this one i gotta sell this one now (laughs) because i got this other one so you know it's a way to keep going and have it be kind of ongoing forever sure yeah you never really get tired of it because it's always just kind of looping through.
1: Yeah, I could see it.
0: Yeah. It's a thing. And Frog fractions. The series has been like this, a, a loose base story with a, a, just a, a bunch of, a, a handful of mini games throughout have, I, obviously you said that you were kind of make a couple things here and there. Now, were there mini games that you didn't use for frog fractions and is there a chance of, like, I know I would, and I know several other people who would, at least probably 20 people who would pay for just a Jim Storm Dancer mini minigame bundle, <laughs> you know, $20, what, just put that out For, there. like,
1: just a bunch of individual games separately?
0: They could just be, like, 10 to 15-minute games, 30-minute games. I mean, yeah. Uh, <sighs> It was a the 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 roommate. Spexus, yes. Spexus, what was it?
1: Super passive aggressive xenomorph roommate irritation simulator.
0: I I, you have no idea how often I just (laughs) want to show that to people. Yeah, yeah. And I would bring that to like, and and it's just to have that in its individual. Like, I'm gonna put this on my Switch. I'm gonna put it on, (laughs) you know, my PC. I'm gonna put my Steam Deck and I'm gonna hand this
1: just to the Switch. Brilliant. (laughs)
0: Well, I mean, like a mini game. If you have like all yeah, like ten to yeah. twenty of them, I'm I'm on board. You you know the, the, yeah, I <laughs> the mean, Flappy Bird clone yeah. just that kind Glitter of stuff. Have you ever Grove thought about that?
1: Basically, is that like you can get once you unlock the time machine, you can get to a menu with all the, or you can use a cheat code to get to a menu with all the mini games in it, and like yeah, and Grove basically is a mini a mini game collection that are where the mini games are like bare just barely contextualized in yeah. the the larger uh, framework. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah i I don't think I have enough. Like, I, I certainly made a bunch of jam games in Flash. Getting those running on a modern computer with that doesn't have Flash might be difficult. Like my more the the more recently I've been working in Pico eight, and I don't think I've mm-hmm. done enough Pico eight stuff to put a package of those together. But that's something to think about for sure.
0: I I I know for a fact that again I have. I have some numbers here of people <laughs> who would say, you know what, let's put them, you know, 15, 20 bucks down. And I want, I want copies of all of this. And I, it, admittedly, that's kind of, you know, I had found you through the zeitgeist and through your games, but at the same time, there was a ongoing uh, conversation with me and my friends in our podcast group that we <clears throat> were going through series, you know, like, Oh, let's go let to play all the metal gear solids and let's play all the, just in a row. and, one of the ones for me was the frog fractions i'm going to go through all of them and it was right when uh what frog fractions kind of 3 was like on the horizon like it was kind of, it was about like I, there would been hit, like rumblings about it and then it kind of came out and i was like okay I'd sit down i'm going to go through all of, uh, all of the games in a row and that's where i kind of was like okay i could, this is where I, I was so deep into that you know the text game and the the shaving game and the all the different, you know, games and I'm like, okay, this is where I I would be like, okay, I've I've played all of the mini games. I want them all now. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's it's just a lot of fun. And that, did you plan this as a trilogy or did you think the did you think of the sequels after the the success of the first one?
1: I did not I didn't plan it as a trilogy, no. I um I each each time I added to the franchise, it was like I had to have the the insight of how to make that game first, and in the case of uh, Glitterbin Grove, the insight was uh, to run a Kickstarter without telling people what the um, what the result was going to be. Like, yeah. th- it was it was a, a the trust me Kickstarter, and like the idea that <laughs> like you could spend the rest of your life wondering where this game is. Uh, that was that, and that that worked out really well. Like, um, in, in terms of. It worked out really well at the start, and then right at the end, when I actually had to ship the game, it wasn't so great because, like, like Steam, you know, you know how when Steam likes you, they'll show your game, like your your game's selling pretty well. The Steam shows it to everybody because yes, they're like, oh yeah,
0: nonstop,
1: yeah, like we're the people are buying this game. Obviously, we should show it to people so other people buy the game. Nobody like if if they were showing people Frog Fractions too. That game would have sold like hotcakes, but it was yeah. showing people *Glitterbit* and *Grove*, and nobody bought it. Um, but I couldn't do that because of the promise I had made with the Kickstarter. So like, there was there was a conflict there. Um, and the insight for uh, the Hat DLC was, I, okay. So I want to. I mean, it was it was less insightful in this case, and more just like the idea for the project. But like, I want to. Uh, bring Frog Fractions up to date on a modern, like so we can run it on a modern PC that doesn't have Flash. Mm-hmm. And I want to hide Frog the, a Frog Fraction sequel within it, and that was that. I that was the idea for that one. Um, and then I had to like come up with what you know, what the story was going to be,
0: and that in fact that I wanted it to have a story. Uh so I, I definitely I definitely want to go into that because that something that it really kind of took something from me. But I, I, I also want to say, were you afraid that people weren't going to be able to find Frog Fractions 2? And were there anything that was like missing? Like something that people just didn't grab and you're just like, ah, well, it's, it's gone.
1: Uh, afraid <clears throat> isn't really the word. Um, mm-hmm. It was more like that I just knew it would happen and I was willing to accept it. And you kind of have to, if you're building that kind of thing, like you have to accept that if you're making a game that's like heavily secrets based, it's not really a secret if everybody finds it. So you kind of have to accept that some people are going to drop off. Some people are going to miss out on big parts of it. Um, and in the case of like Glitterman Grove specifically, I accepted early on that like, this is this game is going to be different enough. And that was a deliberate design decision that I made, was that I wanted this game to be weirder. I, I don't just want to do like, more funny joke mini games with the frog and the dragon i want this game to be even weirder than frog fractions was that was like more of a priority than a lot of than like than that it should be funny or that it should be fun um
0: yeah uh which it would like there were a lot of there were a lot of like the the break like where it kind of just would break kind of the Third wall and your character just would do something that's completely out of nowhere. the The cops are called. Yeah. At one point in this ASCII game, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I didn't you, know it, you go through co- what was it's happening. That minigame is called Cop Hell. <laughs> that is a mini game because it's in the main game. All of a sudden, the cops are called, and all of a sudden, there's just flashing lights everywhere.
1: <clears throat> uh, yeah, you have to get through the the Cop Hell mini game to get to the next. Uh, oh, I forget. I used to just know this by heart, like what happens after Cop Hell. I think after (laughs) Cop Hell, you you play um, Chess Invaders.
0: Yes, there we go. Uh,
1: Yeah. um, And I I just kind of accepted that like, people are going to, like this game is going to hit really hard for the people that it's for and the rest of the people are just going to be disappointed. And I remember like, I there was one critic that, really seemed to take it personally like one of the only i guess i shouldn't maybe i shouldn't call this guy out because there were only like two reviews of the game but one of the two reviews of the game really seemed to take it personally that this game was like so not like the first game okay uh but yeah i knew and i knew that was going to happen and i accepted it um but that, but there's got to be room for growth, right? Well, the so it depends like I don't know, I think a lot of people wouldn't consider that growth. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people would consider that to be bullshit. Um but you th- but but to your point, the game can't be the same thing again because that's not what no. Frog Fractions is. No. It has to go in a new direction. Like that's that's the It's supposed th- to
0: subvert your expectations.
1: Right. Um and I Actually tried to thread that needle with the Hat DLC, where like I, I I made the decision like I want I want this to be like so the Glitterbitten Grove was like a you would call it a follow up maybe to Frog Fractions mm-hmm. but you may, maybe you wouldn't really call it a sequel like the Hat DLC is a sequel like a story sequel with the same characters but later on in their lives going on a new adventure um and uh, what. I, I kind of made the decision up front. Like I wanted to tell it I wanted to be able to tell a story on purpose this time because the Frog Fractions, like it was kind of a buddy comedy, but I didn't do that on purpose. That was just like what hap what, what my development process happened to create. I didn't like shape it that way. Uh but in the case of the Hat DLC, I shaped the story deliberately. I had I, I created characters. And I put them in a situation that I knew would result in interesting mini games. Uh, and then I built the mini games and that was how I, that was that's the extremely short version of how I made that game.
0: Uh, now the, the questions that I have, there's was the hat DLC like to, to access frog fractions three that you have to purchase this hat DLC and put the hat on. Yeah. Was that, was that a, was that a direct response of the ARG being so complex that you're just like, I want this to be a little bit simpler?
1: No. No. Um, no? Nope? Okay. I, I definitely Like I I mean, I think if I wanted it to be simple, I could put the put the game on Steam directly as like just buy Frog Fractions three.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you still want to do a little bit of, you know, uh, like, sneaky stuff. So sneaky.
1: certainly I was in the sense of that I didn't want to do anything and and in fact never want to do anything as complicated as the fro- that frog fractions ARG again triple ARGs from <laughs> like that was exhausting and I wasn't even doing most of the work like I, w- I wasn't the one doing the bulk of the work by the end of it um yeah and like it was exhausting and also I have a kid now like I'm never doing another ARG like people people whenever I put anything on the internet like I have a I have a podcast called Topic Lords where i just talk to my friends who have adhd about their fixations that's that's like and and people are constantly like asking if if like if there was a weird audio editing glitch in this episode is that a is that a clue is that, <laughs> no dude it's just a glitch i'm never doing an arg again i have a kid
0: now no it's it, it, yeah there's a lot of people you know i I kind of feel like ARGs are for people in their early twenties. Like the people who make ARGs are in their early twenties. Like, come on, that's the, you you got the time when you're 22 to make an ARG, man. Yeah,
1: well, and I was in spirit. I was in my 20s. I was, gosh, I don't even remember how old I was then. Probably mid 30s. But like, that was before I had a wife and kid. And so I was effectively like, like, as, as if you're if you're not in a relationship, you're in your 20s. In, yeah, in spirit. You're,
0: you're only really worried about yourself. You can, you know, you go to bed at all hours, you can right. kind of do whatever you want. Oh
1: man, I remember like uh, there was a period of that time when like I didn't have the day job. I just had this video game that I had to make, but the deadline and it was like 2 years out. And I didn't have any social obligations and I just slept when I wanted to sleep and woke up when I wanted to wake up. And it was amazing. And then I got friends again. And then I had to, like, <laughs> if I wanted that kind of schedule, if I wanted to ha- hang, hang out, out with, them? yeah. If I want to hang out with my friends, I have to be up at a certain hour. It was.
0: Uh, I mean, you do, I don't know if you want the like four a.m. friends. That's a whole other set of friends.
1: Yeah, those are nice. I gotta say, I miss the, I miss having that kind of friend. But like, yeah, almost, miss, almost all my drop-ins. friends are adults now, and it's like nobody wants to go to the go to Safeway in the middle of the night and like and riff on the novelty breakfast products.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I would go. We used to, I remember college, me and my friends used to go to the Walmart because it was up, it was uh, all hours. It was 24-7, so we'd go there and just watch Christmas movies on their television displays <laughs> for, like, two hours. And it's like, that was aimless, but also the best, like, one of the best nights of my life. Yeah, That's fine.
1: yep. And when I say nobody wants to, like, they all want to. But, yeah. you know... <laughs> They've got obligations. No, I
0: I I always talk about I miss poppins. You know, you miss the friend just kinda hanging out and like coming over and like I still I have like two friends left who I go, Yeah, you just come over whenever you want and they actually do it and I'm like, This is great, (laughs) this is the best. Just like a friend coming over. It's
1: like a Jane Austen novel. Like you're you're you just hang out in your window and like looking out your window for some reason and a friend walks by carrying groceries and you shout down to them. And like that's how that's how people used to get together.
0: I, that's how I've met like my best friends is that I walked to the I walked three doors down and was like hey you want to hang out you seem like you like cool music yeah end of story best friends for life <laughs> Uh. But so back to the now we're starting to move on to Frog Fractions 3 and it had one of the biggest subversions of expectation that I you know having gone through one and then two and starting with three it subverted my expectation it had heart Oh. it it really like, it, yeah. It, I,
1: I made a sad you, dad game.
0: Did you? Were you? Was this you saying goodbye to your frog and like frog fraction friend? Was this like the sending off into the sunset, like Indiana Jones three? Like we're you know we're saying goodbye. I, mean, I that's I, mean, I said goodbye to Indiana Jones and Indiana Jones three, Aww. but you know what I mean <laughs> In though. That, yeah. Yeah. You know, the characters you'd grown to love, you had yeah. built them and you had created them and you had written them. And now, like, I felt love from those characters. I think with the, I felt like you were, I felt for you. I was like, oh, he's saying goodbye. Oh no, this is so, <laughs> this, this feels, this I, feels. It, it was
1: not, so, it, not on purpose, but I think there was an element of that there because like, when I got, so when, when my wife got pregnant, And I was like, oh, shit. Now I need to really buckle down. I can't just, like, make indie games money now. I need to make big boy money. Uh, (laughs) And so I this was right before GDC. And so I put out the call on Twitter, like, okay, guys, I'm going to be looking for a job at GDC. Hook me up with those interviews. Hook me up with those meetings. Um, And I got hooked up with a meeting where, like, a guy just – Wanted to fund the next Frog Fraction sequel out of his own pocket. Wow! Uh, and so I got this miracle, uh, and it was good money. Like it was adult money.
0: Wow! Um, that's the well, That's real. That's a you. You, you shake hands with the person who got you that interview. You say, <laughs> that was a that was a good that was a good one. A Good
1: one. It was a good one. So I got this miracle like stay of execution, you know? Like, oh, my indie games career gets to live another couple of years. Um, and there was always... I I, I gave it a slim chance, like a slim chance, but a chance that, like, I would be able to, like, that this game would be a hit uh, and then I would be able to live on that money. Um, yeah. And if that was the case, then that's great. I'll keep making games. But I knew that that probably wasn't going to be the case. And so, like... At some level, I definitely was like thinking about it as like this may be the final game that I get to be the lead designer on at this scope, you know, not like jam games, but like a, like a a, a two year project where like there's I mean it's it's not it's not a big game like it's I think it's probably nope. smaller than most indie games. It's I was the only full time developer on it but i spent two full time years on it uh and i'm really proud of it and and yes like i was definitely like i want this game to have like characters and a meaningful story and i was mm-hmm. like i had in my head like i kind of wanted to put my relationship with with my wife in the game and i kind of wanted to put The idea of like uh, Winston was too young to actually inspire the character of October, but but except in the the idea of having a child. Um, Okay, yeah. And I wanted to have like the mundanity of like these these are these are this is not like most most of the time in in fiction when you see uh, like a romantic relationship, you're seeing the start of a romance because that's the exciting part. Yes. But like, I wanted to depict the uh, like a mundane like this is this is day to day. This is like what romance is like when it's been there for for ten years. Even though like I haven't been with my wife that long, um, but it's
0: but you want you you wanted to give it ground some grounds to reality though.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I w- definitely wasn't deliberately saying goodbye, but I could I I. I I think there was an element of that and that kind of slipped in there.
0: I felt, I felt like it it was just interesting to have that character all of a sudden have like a personality and a life outside of frog fractions. And then also giving him that everything in frog fractions one actually happened. They even to like, you were president for a little while. And he goes, yeah, I didn't do great. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, real quick. Just right. like, yep, it kicked, me, it kicked me out real fast. It, but it's, you know, like, you were on that other planet, and you, were, you committed genocide for a quick minute. And he's like, oh, yeah, that <laughs> happened, you know. <laughs> well, what, are you still doing things? No, no, I'm not. Right. And I just, it, it just came off, though, as this, like, this, this this person just recre trying uh, desperately trying to connect with their child, and that's where I that's where I was like, this is just, this is really an unexpected but a really welcome kind of twist to that story.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely like a a lot of it was, how do you take the events of Frog Fractions and make that be like a real thing that happened to a person, and how do you tell a story about that person?
0: And it, it was. And, and yeah, like it just it was really surprising to me and I I, I I loved every minute of that one.
1: Oh that's awesome. I'm really glad to hear that uh, and part of what I was trying to do is the you would find this game by like replaying probably most likely by replaying a game that you had played ten years ago or I guess it was maybe eight years at the time of release, eight years prior. And yeah. so I wanted to make the game kind of speak to that idea of like, you're trying to relive an adventure that you had a long time ago by going on the exact same adventure again. Isn't that kind of f- f- pointless? Or isn't that like inevitably disappointing? And I, I kind of wanted to put that in the text of the game. Um. And I think that kind of got muddled up with the idea of like, I, more than one playtester asked me, like, is this you speaking to the idea of, like, you have to make another, like, you complaining that you have to make another Frog Fractions game? Really? Uh, which is not the case. Like, I was actually, no. I was very happy to be working on that project. Um, uh, but it's also, it's like, I also decided, like, you know what, it's okay if the audience thinks that's the case. Like, I think that's an interesting interpretation, too. I don't,
0: I don't, I don't, I never, I never grabbed that. I just grabbed it as, as this just kind of like this. It, 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 for me, it felt like this character had, it was, was at that the age where he was starting to like slow down. And you even kind of get that, that like, you know, there's even a muse, right? There's a museum. Yeah that he's just it's 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 the football star reliving his heyday and everyone's saying yeah okay grandpa <laughs> it like, is yeah, it I
1: is mean, very okay. much like that yeah
0: and that's where i felt like that there was a that that character was not a character it was a, it was almost like a non-character a little bit and then all of a sudden now it was this fully fleshed three-dimensional person and that's where I was again the most surprised by that at the end of it. I was like, I felt for that. I'm like, I like that character. That's weird. That's, I didn't think I would like that character, but I did.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and people, people love October too. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I, I did it. So it's it's hard to say. Like when I when I um, when I made Frog Fractions, a lot of it was just an accident. Like, some, mm-hmm. some of it I was doing, like, certainly I was making decisions on purpose, but, like, the lightning in a bottle that happened to that game was something that was ultimately not in my control. It was something that the universe... Did, like, Frog Fractions happened to me. <laughs> like, the same way it happened to the audience. Um, yeah. And so I'm really cognizant of uh, the idea that, like, you know, I'm making storytelling decisions. I'm trying to put, like... Certain emotions on the page or on the screen, and I'm trying to like create a reaction in the audience. But also, I have no idea w- what I did to make people love October so much.
0: Yeah. So like, I mean, you you wrote a you wrote a compelling you know side character, buddy cop character, right? Like as a child. Yeah, right? yeah,
1: I guess so. Yeah and i'm 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 really, I mean, I'm proud of all the Frog fractions games, but like that one, I think, is probably my personal favorite.
0: I think that that for me, as someone who was going through them in a row, I felt like that one was the full everything came full circle, obviously two being a little bit of an outlier. but the fact that three really kind of came back to back back to round back around to every everything in those games mattered, even when you didn't think so. And by the end of three, I I felt happier having played one and two before, like right away. Yeah, because then it just kind of made it. It gave it context. It gave it a point. For me, And that's where I was saying that that that's where it was like it that was it it was very surprising for that as like a game that I knew as like these kind of wacky kind of one offs. And then all of a sudden it just becomes like a full circle of actual meaning.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was such a different experience and such a different like when I was making Glunerbitten Grove. I was definitely, like, my, my, I was saying that my primary driver was to make something weird. And, like, that was how I made every single decision on that game was, like, what can I do that would be, like, the most outrageous thing that I could do right now at this junction point? And, like, you do that for two years, and that's the game you get. Um, and it was such a different experience to be doing something much more, like, yeah, there's, like, there's jokes in there, there's weirdness in there, but it's so much more directed. It's so much more like the hat DLC is so much more like trying to achieve a specific goal uh, and trying to like get, get like tell a specific story about, about, and like trying to have like cohesive characters. It was like very different. It was a very different experience to make. And I have to imagine it's very extremely different to play as well. Like I would, um, when people like a lot of people, a lot of people still don't know there's a frog fractions, too. Uh, like sometimes <laughs> I still get that reaction, like, oh, it's out, like, but but I'm constantly talking to people, like, who even friends of mine who don't realize there's a there's a third game in the series now. Um, and I always ask them, like, if they when they talk about like how they still haven't played frog fractions two yet, like maybe you shouldn't like what, what did you like about the first game? Because like, it's, I I think you are an outlier in liking all three of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think like frog fractions one was widely popular. Again, I did not have no idea how I did that. Couldn't do it on purpose. Um, (laughs) And Frog Fractions 2 was, it appealed to a certain sensibility. Like if you liked the weirdness and like outsider artness of Frog Fractions and you wanted it to be even more of that, then that's what you got. Um, But if you wanted it to be a little bit more of a story, like if then, then I would actually recommend skipping. Don't even play the second one. Play, play the hat DLC because that's the sequel you want.
0: I think that the 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 other part of it that that for me was that I really enjoyed like I would I would give people and and you you kind of mentioned this before in in previous interviews where you you would just sit people down and give them the give them the link to frog fractions and that's what I would do I've actually brought frog fractions to several friends without like you can not you have 2 hours you're going to play this this link and that's the, and we're going to you're going to talk to me about it you're going to talk me through it and we're going to talk to about it together and I just want to experience your experience with that, and <clears throat> I've done that uh, four times now, and each friend has come back and just been like, "I don't, I don't know what you're showing me," but I feel like <laughs> with two, you have to commit to the bit, and that's a that's a bigger ask. I feel like, especially yeah. with the length, I agree. Having a two hour having a two hour, you know, runtime and a and with three a, like a, like roughly a four hour runtime. It's a it's a lot less of a commitment for the bit, and I and I actually I've, well and also the like mi- there's in in two those mini doing, games though in two yeah or just in know. in in Frog
1: Fractions two like there are parts where it gets hard. You have to get good yeah. at the mini games. Uh, yeah. That never happens in Frog. Well, except the except for the text adventure. The
0: text but, adventure was tough.
1: But that's just like in that you have to know how to play text adventures, and that's really like. It's kind of a like I still think it's amazing that I got people to play to read so much text in a video game. <laughs> yeah, like a you know, modern audio. Well, modern at the time. Um, well,
0: considering that text adventures are kind of a lost art now.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And even being even be, being able to play them, you have to kind of be a technical person. Uh, and that was yeah. that, that was like that was exactly like me it was me making games for my friends. If I was if I had known a million people are going to play this game. Well, actually maybe then I would have made the text adventure even more even harder. <laughs> uh but like if I if I'd known like if I'd wanted a million people to like the game, I'd I wouldn't ha- I wouldn't have thought like, yeah, text adventure right here. That's the way that's the way to do it. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I that was a design constraint of um that I chose Flash, for the Hat DLC right? was like
0: Oh uh
1: was yeah the, the None of this should be hard. All of this should be like um, either either super breezy or like at the very least, like if you have trouble with it, the game kind of just rushes you through it. Yeah. Because like you're not here for a challenge. You're here to experience this story or at least that's what I'm hoping for.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's where that's where I think that like I, I feel like the two is a bigger ask but I also feel like there are there are some really high highs in two where you get those mini games that are just so like i I've expressed to my friends that uh like I'm playing this game where i'm I'm I have to sing into my microphone at a certain you know a certain pitch <laughs> and that what are you playing yeah. and then I'm and then I'm shaving you know I'm shaving the president and that was kind of crazy and that what are you, and even just me trying to tell people about the what was it Invader Chess? What was it? The I think
1: if I remember right, it was Chess Invaders.
0: Chess Invaders. That is. I want to play. Did, did that because you said that you had worked with somebody who that was their their actual project was that game. Yeah, I don't think they, they ever. That, yeah, I don't think they ever finished it. Uh, I'm sure. And I want that. Yeah, I want that. In and of itself, I want chess invaders. That it's a real-time active chess game. Yeah. And Each it's it's awesome. And you can't uh, and, and you can't do that in, like in person. Yeah. You can't have timers per piece. That doesn't work. Oh man. But that's what I want. Yeah. Uh, that was that was an incredible
1: idea that worked out really well. And like, I really do hope that they eventually uh, make a make a more elaborate version of it. I, I would I would love to see that.
0: The my podcast specifically is about finding like these beta tested, early access, pre release demos, but a lot of itch.io or even uh, game jam games, and we're finding like there was we just found one last year that was called Shotgun King, and it's chess, but the pieces also like some of them have guns. Okay, and you could just you could just blow some of the pieces away, and it's like oh these are like but it's like very. There's a very specific, like, specific set of rules that you can use these, you know, in these cases. So it actually became a very difficult version of chess that had this extra mechanic, and it just, just finding these different ways to take uh, a very normal game mechanic and just kind of flip it on its head. That's where I always found your mini games is just these more interesting, just like oh, just a little twist it, and then you have something completely new, and that's that's crazy. Yeah. To think about.
1: Yeah, yeah. Glitterman Grove was really in many respects just to complicate like before I made, I was, I was working on that project. I was doing game jams at least like maybe, maybe at a pace of like one a month, Uh, usually with the result going on my website, just as a flash game. Um, And Glitterbitten Grove was really just like, you know what? Just take that stream of jam games and put them all in one game uh, together. Uh, But I would say that that's a, even that kind of has a different ethos than what I was doing with Frog Fractions and with the Hat DLC. Both of those had... Um, they were much more straightforward homages to existing games, like all the minigames yeah. were. Like, that was... that, that It wasn't a, a decision that I made deliberately for Frog Fractions, but it was with the Hat DLC that, like, every one of these mini um should have a a known like existing game that I'm, that I'm mo- a yeah, counterpart yes that i'm modeling it after and that does a yeah. bunch of things in terms of the game design like it, it makes it so that tutorialization is easier because the player there's a good chance the players or either played it or at least seen it um mm-hmm. and b it means i don't have to iterate as much in terms of like t- in order to make the game fun because i have the model to work from and so it was really like just a, like a design shortcut um to to get like how do I get uh, a game off the ground that's as fun as like that that's that's fun enough to keep the player interested it w- so that I can keep telling this story um and that's a very different kind of experience from glitterman Grove, which was more like no I'm each of these mini games is itself a gameplay experiment like I'm I have to iterate and find the fun myself on this weird idea. And th- as a result, that means like the player also has to like exp- explore these ideas with me.
0: Yeah. The, the, you could, you could definitely see a little bit of the difference there. And uh, I, again, it doesn't each, each one is just a, a, a classic. Um, and you've, and you've kind of created these, these series of games have expanded into ARGs and multimedia content like you said you've made like little like short videos and you know yeah. introduced these little different mechanics into other indie games. How does it feel to see like others kind of follow in your footsteps? I know you're not I mean, I don't I, I guess I don't know if you're necessarily the first, but you're definitely one of the early founders of doing these multimedia like bigger projects. Like now you see like with Inscription and Five Nights at Freddy's and stuff like that, you see like everything is expanded into books and <clears throat> hidden messages and hidden meanings and just secrets every which way. How does it kind of feel to, to kind of see others following your footsteps?
1: I always wonder how much of a direct influence I have. Like I feel like I was part of a zeitgeist where like people yeah. were just kind of pushing back against the, the lack of mystery in video games. Like Absolutely. Uh
0: like Braid.
1: Yeah, that was another example. Like the the um the the Noclip guys had a pretty good documentary about mystery in games that had both me and Jonathan Blow in it. Not that we ever talked together. I believe the the uh, Derek Yu was in there as well to talk about Spelunky, but it was a pretty good documentary that I enjoyed being a part of about mystery and games. Um, yeah. I think I was just kind of part of the wave there and I, I, but, but there are definitely like moments where I wonder like how direct an influence was I on this particular thing? You know, like for, for example, I know that um, the frog fraction series is a big influence on Daniel Mullins who made inscription mm-hmm. for, for example. Yeah. Um, and then there are cases like, I was approached at GDC by somebody on the Fallout 4 team who had said that like I, I don't remember exactly what he said but it was something along the lines of like the the creative director on this game made everybody play Frog Fractions before <laughs> and so like one of the things Fallout 4 does is um the there's a big section of like there, when you open up the map screen on that game, it's a big square and you think like that's this, the area of the game world. Uh, but then like at one point of the game, you like go outside the square and the map pulls out and you see there's a big chunk off there that you didn't know was there that you weren't, that that in the game world is, is bigger than you thought. And I look at that and I think, I bet that was a Frog Fractions thing that they were thinking about, <laughs> and that's cool. Like that, but again, like I, I haven't, I don't have any insider information there. So, like, I don't know. Maybe they they came up with it. It's not like I'm the first person to have the idea of like fooling the player into thinking like one thing, and then it turns out another thing is the case.
0: Yeah, I did. I did want to ask about inscription, as you had made some comments about how it didn't, you didn't quite jive with you as much. Yeah, and you kind of, you were like, "Oh, I'm sorry for some of my games." (laughs) Based of that, well, it was just like, uh, I,
1: I, I never played Magic: The Gathering. Like, I never got into that game as a teenager. Me either. And as a result, like, I had a really hard time. Like, the things that were obviously supposed to be easy in inscription were not easy for me and i had a really hard time with it um and i i and that really like was a kind of a sharp pang of empathy that i suddenly had for people who like oh you know people who didn't play zzt probably really didn't like text world
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, you know, it's it's hard sometimes when like you when you get into like a game that's there's a lot of games that are in the zeitgeist that are I just I have getting older being, you know, you know, being in the position we were in having a family, you kind of you have to start making some tough calls. And there are definitely like genres where a game will come out and everyone's like, this is one of the best games of the year. And I'm like, that's awesome. Not for me. Right. Yeah. and and I'm I'm very happy for you. Yeah, and I used to be that I would still buy them. I would oh, still yeah. buy them all the time. And then now, I this last like three years, I've said, you know, I know how this is going to go. I've seen this story play out a bunch of times before. And I'm going to end up saying, oh, that's awesome. I'm glad you guys like that. Mm-mm, no, I'm okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, and I, I know people who, um, long after they stopped having, like, they stopped making room in their lives for video games because they, had, they had prioritized other things. Um, they would still buy video games. They would still like hear about them and be like, "Oh, that's cool. I, I maybe I'll play that someday." And they would buy it, and then they would just sit there on on a shelf, un, unopened. Uh, but there's also like a certain value, and like, what's the next best thing to enjoying the art from the artist you love? The next best thing maybe is just supporting the artist you love. Yeah, financially like uh, there's there's value in that and there's there's a joy in like even if you don't ever open the box like looking at the box on your shelf like say so, yeah that's a cool game maybe I'll play it someday.
0: Yeah, that that's that's an att that's that's a testament to the my 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 the footlocker below my television uh filled with games that one day I hope to play. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the one thing I did want to talk about also is just that that now I don't know if you've noticed, but there's just like a big wave of indie game crossovers. Huh. Everybody is everywhere. I mean, they have they have Dead Cells. They've done two separate DLCs. That is just like, oh, here's the guy from Hotline Miami, and here's uh, the kid from Cave Story, and here's here's the the knight from Hollow Knight, and they just throw them in. They have two separate DLCs. It's like four different characters you see rivals of aether has ori from ori in the blind forest and in shovel Knight. and then we're looking right now one of the games that we're going to talk about is that there's a game called frame makers that is a smash brothers but they give like all the dev tools for anybody to make their own characters and their characters are like the character from V. sure and uh and it's just like those characters have you ever thought about throwing like hey anybody want to use my f- my frog guy and just throw him <laughs> in there and like you could make your moves and
1: It's it's tough to do something with a frog like all he can really do is jump and lick like he can't even walk which makes it He could he, he could ride a dragon? That's true and that's why I I put him on the dragon to give him more mobility.
0: <laughs> yeah, you could you could have him ride a dragon, you could There's some things you can have him do I feel like. I feel like there's some just so some mini games we've seen him in, especially in kind of three. Yeah. That we can kind of make yeah, him yeah. do.
1: I, I have not thought about that. Like, I, I yeah, when you said, like, were oh, you talking about, like, all the, the characters that kept de- getting added to Dead Cells, I, I get the feeling that, like, that's just people in indie games just know other game developers and they, they just, you know, they, they, they get to chatting and have these ideas. That's exactly how the, the, sigil arg came together it was like i would go to pax or gdc and meets and like meet up with somebody and like i was kind of friends kind of just acquaintances with them and they were like and i would be saying like hey how would you like to uh be part of the frog fractions to arg
0: <laughs> i think that, that that's what we need to do though is we need to get you to like into some of these like these little these little text chains or these conversations and like Hey, anybody wanna wanna throw my character in their game? Okay, we're in, you know. <laughs> you know, I think we should, I think we can what, make that work. Here's
1: what I want. Uh any uh-huh. any listeners know how to make this happen. Please put me in touch. You know, do you remember Cadence of Hyrule?
0: Yes. It
1: was pretty good game, pretty enjoyable. Yep. It was a miracle that those guys got to make a Zelda game. Like, how did that happen? Oh yeah. Like, that's what I want. How do I who do I have to talk to at Nintendo? to take the text world engine and make a Zelda game out of it.
0: I think that there's only been, what, two companies that have gotten access to that IP. And that was the dynasty warriors people and the, those and the cadence of Hyrule people, yeah, well, which is kind of crazy. It
1: depends how you, I, I, well, it was Capcom that made the, um, they were making Zelda games on the game boy, right? On the game boy color. Yeah. But I guess that yeah. was like more of an, outs- more of an outsourced project,
0: right? And that's what I mean, though, is that like to get the IP and kind of do something a little bit crazy yeah. out, outside of yeah. genre. It's I believe it's only those two. Anyway, I, I need to- I
1: need your help, <clears throat> listener. I I need you to figure out how to make this happen. Like, do your part. Go if, if sign a petition. If there's no petition, make the petition
0: to get you on get you as uh, access to the Zelda IP. Yes, that's right. <laughs> All right. Okay, we'll we'll shout that out. Thank you. Um, you, no problem. Uh, you have, you mentioned that you were working, you worked, uh, was part of like, you got to be interviewed and be part of the no clip documentary. How do you, how did that process go? Like, do you feel like that was a fun process? And do you think that it affected the lead, the legacy of frog fractions?
1: Uh, I, I think if anything, it documented the legacy of frog fractions. I'm not sure that it bolstered it significantly. Um, but it was a fun, it was a fun thing. Danny reached out to me. We were both living in Oakland at the time, okay. Um, and uh, we we picked a place to do the interview, and I, they asked me some questions, and I I sat in an extremely uncomfortable position because <laughs> <laughs> that's how you do it because of the background they wanted to have. Uh, but yeah, it was a. It was one thing that was really interesting about that to me was like how they took what I thought was like a pretty mundane conversation and they took some like incredible pull quotes out of it that made it sound like I was saying something super fucking profound. Can I curse, by the way? I'm sorry.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You can say fuck all you want. (laughs) we're part of NPR but we're like a small sect that not a whole lot of people pay attention to so we can kind of do what we want yeah, here. Yeah. and that's right that we're in a good space for that <laughs> so okay so you uh so you you felt like you, you came off a little bit more prolific than you actually feel but i could tell you though that even in this conversation it does feel like there is a lot despite how, maybe how you feel about it your games do ha- s- have something to say and they are A little bit bigger than and unfortunately it didn't pan out to be as financially but i think that at the same time i think that they did really have like a big mark in the industry
1: i i agree i think um i had i certainly have had sway over many uh many other developers um i still i still get people talking to me about these games and i'm super proud of them like as as just an artistic achievements Like, I I am, and also, like, this isn't because of Frog Fractions, but, like, I've got a wife and kid who are amazing. Like, I've got a really good life, and I'm really happy with it.
0: That's what matters, really. And even what you said about your, your art, and even it doesn't matter what you create, but how you, about creating it to speak to you, the people that you love, and kind of express something to them. I know that I personally just, like, Kind of, I I paint, but the thing is, always that I only paint like once every five years. But the thing is, always that for me, it doesn't matter. I need once something. What I, you know, like you said, I'm always kind of trying to think of what I want to do. But once I have like inspiration, it's kind of like, well, okay, I get it out of me, and I'm just really proud of it. And I do get a lot of compliments, but I'm like, it doesn't matter about compliments. What it matters was that I felt the need to create something and and i only get kind of that urge for in that medium at least once every five years so it's just for me it's it's just about how what it what matters and how it feels to you right you know yeah the end of the day
1: yep humans humans need to make art but apparently sometimes they only need to make art every five years
0: yeah yeah. And for, you know, and there is like a little bit for me, like, man, I wish I did paint more, but I, you know, it's like, I, nothing really hits me. I can just, I'll just paint aimlessly over and over and I'm like, okay, nothing's hitting me. I need something. Well, I need a spark and that, that usually comes every five years. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like when you, st- you know, I know that you're, you were kind of in a little bit of the outsider, but do you feel like you've seen the industry change? Obviously flash, right. Has kind of moved on like but now we've kind of moved to itch io you get a lot of itch io stuff coming out like every which way especially these yeah. unique and interesting titles that are just kind of like you said like 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 frog faction games. you get these one-offs and how do you feel like that's kind of affected the industry i
1: so the the big change that that i see so flash going away was a bummer like that was yeah. uh <clears throat> a, a big shame, like, that That whole legacy is not lost because there's been, like, significant preservation efforts to make it, um, to keep it from being lost, but, like, much harder to access. Um, yeah. And also, like, uh, it was one of the best ways to get a game in front of an audience with zero friction, with as little friction as possible. Yeah,
0: because like, you don't need anything.
1: Right, you would just... And and this kind of inevitably uh, stopped being the case with phones because it was just a, such a vastly different interface. But then also, like, when phones stopped doing Flash at all, then that made that harder as well. And, like, JavaScript is pretty far still from being a good game platform, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But the the big change that... I think it, the, the maybe the biggest change to indie games, in my opinion, in the past ten years, is that there are just so many, so many more of them. There's so many games now, and that's a, a tribute to like both how many people want to do it, but also the tooling is so much better now. Like the the game tools that are available are so much more accessible. Um, yeah. That, like, you can sit down with no programming experience and ship a game just by putting the work in. Uh, and the, the outcome of that is that it's actually much harder to make a living doing it. So, I, like, in, in, I remember in, like, 2010, you could, like, make a jam game in a weekend and then be on the front page of Kotaku on Monday.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: Like, just because you made an interesting jam game. Like there was a, there was a Bennett Foddy game called too many ninjas. And it's like the, it's, it's not a, (laughs) like a fun, interesting game, like quap, which was also, I believe a pretty fast jam game that just hit it big because like, there just weren't that many, you know, it's a good game, but there just weren't that many games then. Yeah. And so like, if, if like game journalists, they're trying to, they're trying to fill space. And so they write about everything they can find. Uh, but like too many ninjas was like just a like a really simple arcade action game like single screen action game like imagine if Frog Fractions not only didn't have all the mini games but didn't even have the upgrade system like that uh, <laughs> and, and I remember that being on like the front page of Kotaku like here's a fun fl- game you can where you kill ninjas with your sword uh, and nowadays like. And like one of the things that attracted me to making indie games is that it it's it was so much at the time about interesting game designs, uh, experiments in game design, game design like innovation, like uh, and and in the past ten years, because of the 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 huge glut of product on the marketplace. And because people have to make decisions about it with so little information. Yeah. Um, they that they like so much more of the focus has become like, does your game have impeccable art direction? Uh, if no, then you're just like, no one even looks at it. Like you need that. You need perfect art, like an interesting, really good art style to even be like considered. And there are there are exceptions like um, like Vampire Survivors is the big one from last year that was a breakout hit yeah. and in part in part I think that was like a a Flappy Bird kind of a situation where you know it's a good game but a lot of the appeal of that game is that you're playing a meme.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And 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 there the, you know the, the other part is that like a lot of indie games that I've I've heard of like stories where. To like you know you were saying before like it's really hard to get to the front page of Steam and like even stay there for longer than like fifteen minutes, I've heard stories of uh, Nintendo had to crack down. uh, There would be an indie game that would come out, they would charge sixty dollars, but then drop it down to like six dollars and then have like a, this giant percentage off sale so when you go to the sales tab it gives you like the highest percentage off and you got this indie game that no one's ever heard of we're like oh it's not that much and, and also it's super discounted perfect and that's and, really funny <clears throat> but they were do, like people were doing it in mass and then they, nintendo had to start cracking down They're like you can't get that low that quick like, you're, like, you can't be day one 90% off. That's not how we're going to let you do it now. You have to be out for, like, a year or something like that. So there became harder rules, but, like, people were trying anything to kind of get to that front page, get to the discovery that people needed to, to even look at their game.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's the – I mean, I think that's a, a testament to, like, how bad game discovery is these days. The the way to handle, like and – I'm not seeing – significant movement on any of the major players in this direction, the way to handle that um, is better ways to connect the players with the games that they'll like. Um, Like, Steam has a lot of information about what games you play, and, like, uh, I still get, like, oh, yeah, you'll probably like Grand Theft Auto. You know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I've curated mine enough that there are games that... Someone will say, like, oh, you might like this game. And I'm like, really? And I'll search it on Steam and it'll actually pop up and it'll say, this was excluded from your preferences because you don't like these types of games. And I was like,
1: good call. <laughs> okay. That's all fine. Right. I
0: mean, my friend said I like it. I look at it. Nah, not my thing. Good call, Steam. And they, they're working on that for Steam. But yeah, Playsta- the PlayStation store is a mess. I don't know if anybody really goes to the Xbox store as, as much at all. I've, I haven't heard much hide or hair of an Xbox store. And the Nintendo store is is confusing. Yeah, confusing.
1: I mean, I, I think um, this is one of the biggest problems facing like someone trying to sell into the global art marketplace now. Uh, I worked on a, a game. Um, I worked on the the Kickstarter for a game. It wasn't even the game. It was um, a, uh, a a sequel to a game that came out in the 80s. I don't know if I'm allowed to say what game it was. Yeah. Um, hmm. And I worked on a prototype for it with the intent of the prototype being um, used to make the, the crowdfunding video for, the, for the, the crowdfunding campaign. Okay. And the campaign went live and I tweeted about it. And like the tweet got like two likes and the campaign got no, basically no money. And I have talked to many people since then who uh, expressed their love to me apropos of nothing, of like the that original game. It just came up in conversation. And I was like, oh, did you know about this crowdfunding campaign for the sequel? And they were like, no, I definitely would have given lots of money for, to, to that. And like, I think that game in the 80s sold like 100,000 copies. I bet, you know, 10, 20% of those people would be interested in a modern sequel. Yeah. Uh but th- they're not on a mailing list. They're just in the world abstractly. So <laughs> they're somewhere in the world and like there's just no way to get to them to inform them about this this product. Like I um so I love the game A Short Hike. Yes. Uh and I recently found about, and this this was only like a couple of months old, so this is not even that egregious a situation. I found out about the game, game called Little Gator Game, uh, okay, which is yep. basically a short hike with the serial numbers filed off, um, and also just larger in scope, like it's a it's a bigger game, like a longer okay. hike, uh, and the fact that, like, I I would have first of all I would have expect have talked enough about a short hike that I would just expect people on my friends to tell me about this thing, you know, why isn't steam shoving this game in my face? Like I am just, I'm exactly the audience for this.
0: And it's just not there. It's a, it's not getting recognized or noticed. The, that that's kind of where that's where at least where we try to stay with the, the, with our podcast is just trying to find those ones. I I was looking up one of them. There was there was one that I actually I was going to tell you that uh, is it's the vibe of a short hike where you are but you're climbing and you mountain climb. Your left hand is the left trigger, left stick, or not the left stick. Um, your left click and your right hand's the right click, and you just climb up a mountain in this nice little frog filled village. <laughs> and you and it's the music it's the sa- and it's very similar art style but it's first person and it's just like a real relaxing vibe. I was trying to find what it was. Oh, uh Valley Peaks. That's
1: interesting. I'll definitely look that up.
0: That's on it's in on it, it's on Io. It's not it's not out yet, but okay, that one is sure. it, I've been keeping an eye on that one just because it's just so relaxing and it just reminded me of a short hike in this just this little wilderness environment yeah. that, yeah. And there just needs, yeah, there needs to be more exposure for a lot of these types of games. And sadly there just isn't. Um, but you know, we've been kind of going for a while, so I do want to kind of start hitting the, the, the final kind of notes here. Sure. Sure. You, you started a Patreon podcast called topic Lords. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh,
1: topic Lords <coughs> is a show that I do weekly. It comes out Monday. Uh okay. where every week I get on two different guests uh and I each of the guests we we all throw topics in the bucket. Okay. And then I I start the show and we discuss the topics, and then after about like an hour, we stop. And that's really just that's the thing. That's the whole idea of the show. Topics could be anything you think would be an interesting conversation. Uh and so In in many respects, this is just like me documenting fun conversations that I have with my friends. Okay. Uh, It it I one of the listeners uh, asked me like, why is it that all of Jim's friends have ADHD? And I really do think (laughs) I really do think like there's a lot of hyperfixation going on where like someone discovers something interesting and they want to talk about it, and so they talk about it on my show.
0: Oh, perfect! Yeah, you get you get to give them an outlet for that. Give it. Give me. Here's the rant. You know. Yeah. Go go for it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it like, in terms of finding an audience, this makes it difficult because it's different people every time. It I'm the only person who's who's the same one each time. Although there are <laughs> there are recurring guests. Yeah, um, and it's about a different thing each time. So like, in terms of um, finding an audience, I've kind of picked the the worst possible tack uh because it's not about any one thing and it's not any one set of people um but uh we get like 500 downloads an episode you know it's nothing nothing to sneeze at
0: Uh, oh absolutely not that's good
1: and uh, i'm really uh, i'm really proud of the show we're up to like 170 episodes
0: wow okay you've been doing that for a bit huh yeah that's awesome. Congrats. Congrats. Yeah, yeah.
1: You can find it at topiclords.com and there's also a Patreon if you search for Topic Lords Patreon. I'm sure it'll hope hopefully search engines will still exist by the time this comes out.
0: I'll definitely be putting it in the show notes. Okay. Great. For that. Are you on are uh, you on Spotify? You're on the Spotify and everything, or just straight off the website?
1: Uh yeah, yeah. It's it's on a lot of different services that like I, I use a, a podcast hosting service that just automatically farms it out to to a bunch of different services so i would imagine if you i
0: i just uh uh followed it on spotify great fantastic and make sure anybody listening you give it that five stars
1: that's 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 right yeah I'm, i'm sure it's helpful somehow
0: it's for discoverability oh right okay yeah That's what it's for. That's that's what everything's about. Discoverability. That's right. right? Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Go on. No. You go. You go ahead. You go ahead.
1: I was I was just going to go on a tangent about how like uh, tangents. (laughs) Topic lords was started out kind of as a way to. It was an excuse to to talk to friends, but under the auspices of like creating content for my audience. You know, you know how you can't have hobbies without monetizing them. Maybe that's oh, just yeah, maybe that's just me.
0: Uh, no, that's that's all. The, our the our podcast is we happen to get affiliated by NPR on a whim, like just randomly. Like nice. oh, we end up meeting people and doing a thing. But for the most part, it was just a bunch of friends, and all of our we're all college and high school friends, and we just moved apart, and yeah. we didn't. It was our way. Like it just became like we were weekly hopping on discord and playing video games that after a while we're just like, you guys, we should just like record on this. And yeah, that's what came about.
1: Good times. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I've definitely been like <clears throat> reframing it lately as being more about the human connection. Uh, one of the things that you get, if you pledge to the Patreon is you get on the topic Lords discord, which is this just lovely, tiny community. There's like maybe 40 active members in there. Uh, and so it's, small enough that like that it's, it's like big enough and small enough that you can make friends in there. You know, I don't know if you've ever made a friend on Twitter. I don't think I ever did. It's just, it's just not too... on
0: Twitter, but I definitely have friends from like, I made a friend in like an AOL chat room or like, a, right. Because there's like IRC, 40, right? there's like
1: 40 people in there and not a million. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like it's, it's a lovely community and I've started kind of reframing it from being like this is not about making content for an audience. This is about human connection. This connection that I'm having with like the people I'm talking to on the show and also the people I'm talking to on the Discord. It's it's lovely.
0: That's awesome. And you and you've kind of created you've you know been part of you've made your own community now that you feel like you should you should be proud of your community, right? And it's people like-minded individuals, people you would almost like I would probably have half the half my Discord group on a podcast, right? I,
1: that's actually I, I have had a lot of them on the podcasts.
0: Exactly. See, there you go, and that's that's what I mean. Is that it? Just you've created something with a bunch of like minded individuals, and that's really important. Yeah. Now uh, you being a sandwich imaginer. Uh-huh. What is your favorite sandwich makeup including bread sauces fillings what would you say as, as... i
1: I gotta go with a hamburger like it's a, okay. it's a classic but yep. it's definitely my favorite sandwich you know you, okay. you get the you get the burger patty it could be a turkey patty that's fine too you gotta get the thousand Island dressing or or similar like that family of dressing you know you got some vegetables on there for texture like it's it's a it's a great sandwich. I love it. A grilled cheese, is very good.
0: Grilled cheese is excellent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You know, I, I I just I'm trying to think of like, uh, what what, like I just can't truck with cold cuts, like they just do oh, they, okay. they do not interest me. I like to warm them
0: up, and I also like subs. Warm like cuts. Sub. Yeah. Warm cuts is pretty. Now hard. we're talking. But, but at a certain point, you're you're making a panini, right? So it's like, well, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. Um, karaoke go to if you ever do karaoke, what would be your song of choice? Oh, uh, I don't do
1: karaoke, but um, someone there's someone on the Discord who uh uh said that they they like to do the song Barbie Girl and they, they like to do both of the voices. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so I would definitely. If I were the kind of person who would do karaoke, then I would pick that. Cuz I'm stealing
0: their idea. I've seen someone do they asked for uh John was John Legend John uh, John Lennon Beatles um, uh, Imagine. Uh-huh. But they sang it they sang the lyrics to uh All Star.
1: Oh yeah, that's if you sing it slow enough, you know, it works. I've, I've, and it's I've, crazy. I've heard several takes on that, actually.
0: Yeah, I've seen someone do that live. And it's, I was a like, oh, okay. it's a good it's idea. It's a good idea that it's really
1: one. got legs, and that's why people keep doing it.
0: Yeah. Right, and uh, what are you currently playing? What's what's sticking out with you that like sticking with you?
1: I uh, just finished Tunic, and by finished, I mean. Got to the point where, like, I don't have the patience to solve all the remaining puzzles, even though it looks really cool. Like, Tunic mm-hmm. is an extremely good game. If you, so it's, it's, so on its face, it's like a Zelda clone. And by Zelda, yeah. I mean Zelda one, not the later yeah. Zeldas. So like, it's like the first Zelda. Um, and it's, and, then, and in terms of art style, it's like what you saw in your imagination when you played Zelda. Absolutely. Um, and it works pretty well as a Zelda clone. I, I didn't really care for the combat, which doesn't really, like, that doesn't mean anything because I don't like combat in any game, basically. Okay.
0: Um, I felt like Tunic, it was too slow. I played Death's Door the uh-huh. year before, and I felt like Death's Door was snappier, and that okay. was, like, enough for me. Sure,
1: yeah. Uh, but what what it does with Secrets is really kind of off the charts. It incredible. Like there are all sorts of like weird touches in Tunic uh, that seem like they're just kind of one-off things that, that after you've played this game for like eight hours, you, you start realizing what that each of these things is actually meaningful and important to a larger puzzle that you didn't even know existed. Yeah. It, it all adds up to something really beautiful and and it goes deep, like way deeper than I was willing. Like it goes into ARG territory, which is why I was like, okay, I've gotten all I'm going to get out of this game. But that was awesome. Like, uh, it really, it, I was really impressed.
0: I definitely went back, but I, I, I definitely did not find, figure it out organically. I, I kind of looked up what they were doing with the, with like the overall like you know, kind of like you have to start doing weird inputs in weird places button. Like, and I, once I understood that, then I was kind of able to do it, but it was, I definitely looked that up because I was so, I was so intent on like trying to figure out like what were they trying to say with some of these symbols and meanings and then I was like oh okay i see that they are inputs and you you know this kind of thing so yeah. but i i it, it definitely was like just the just the the layout of the world itself is just so intricate
1: yeah it's really well done it's really just a incredibly like and i think it took like 7 years to make so it makes sense that everything is just so cuz yeah. they, they, they certainly had the time to make it so
0: yeah it was it was known as zelda like a fox for a long time <laughs> That's, they had that URL for a long that, time.
1: That's too. pretty good. That, yeah, I could I could see why they changed it though.
0: Oh, le- no, legally, yes. <laughs> legally. <laughs> a lot of legalities there. <clears throat> uh, anything else you're playing?
1: Uh, I just started Little Gator Game. It's uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> I already talked about that though.
1: It's pretty good. It's uh, I I don't know. I was a little disappointed and like just how 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 talky it is. Okay. Um. It's it's much more like JRPG style tourist storytelling where you're sitting through cutscenes and there wasn't like a whole lot of that in uh in a short hike. A short hike is more like you can kind walk the up point. yeah, much much more concise storytelling, <laughs> like and you, you might walk up to somebody and have like a short conversation with them, but like it's something you're opting into, not something you're forced into. Yeah. Uh but it's still it's still charming and enjoyable. Uh, and I'm always playing the New York Times crossword.
0: Wow. Yeah, okay, you... that's impressive. Is it? <laughs> How often do you finish? Uh, almost every day. Um, okay. Yeah. Then yes, that's very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Uh, that is kind of everything that we have uh, over here uh, at Super GG Radio, and we've kind of go- we've been riffing for a while, actually. Yeah, I, I hope I hope I didn't take too much of your time here. Oh, it's fine. Yeah,
1: is this a long episode of your show?
0: Uh, not for my show, but you know, interviews with guests can kind of fluctuate here and there. Yeah, yeah. But I uh, do want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, I'm Alex, uh, one of the hosts of the Super GG Radio podcast of NPR of Illinois, and with uh, Jim Stormdancer. Jim, thank you so much for your time and incredible insight. Uh, where can people find you?
1: Uh so I um I stopped using Twitter. You can still find my account there. Um but uh I haven't been using it very actively lately. Uh but you can find me on the Fediverse at let me let me look this up actually because I don't totally remember the um
0: The Fediverse?
1: i uh, yeah, like Mastodon.com.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah not, okay.
1: not the cheese cheese universe. Uh, it's uh, at mogwai underscore poet at mastodon.social. You can okay. find me at co- cohost.org slash mogwai dash poet. Um, you can find my games at twinbeard.com and my podcast at topiclords.com. So I think that's I think that's that runs the gamut.
0: And I assume patreon dot com slash topic. Oh, that's
1: correct. Yes.
0: Awesome. I want to make sure to shout that out for you as well. Thank you. All right. And uh, that's everything from us at uh, Super GG Radio. Yeah. So, thanks for uh, having me on. Well, thanks for being on. All right. Good night, everybody. Night-night.